Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program once again. This is episode 12 of the Podjack, and I am certainly happy to have you as always. This is your host with the most, Harrison Harper, often going by the alias Hop C. All right, folks, we are here today. I am late again. I didn't get it out by Sunday. I'm recording this. It's Monday night, October 5th again. I apologize. Um, a lot of people, I was surprised how many people held me accountable to that date when I have missed it, which is now unfortunately multiple times, but I am going to figure it out. I'm going to get it together. I'm going to find some consistency with the Sundays. I just got to find out what's the right time to record it. Sometimes, like I said, having guests, not having guests, it's all over the place. But yesterday I was chilling out and I just didn't have it. You know, I just thought I was going to take it off. It's going to be the day. I'm sorry. Um, there's no, there's no excuse, honestly. And, and those types of delays, I will not adhere to that kind of behavior on this program. So don't worry. Um, I made, a, I created a Facebook page so that I can uh, p- post it on there. It'll be made public if you feel the need to share it or whatnot. It'll just be easier for people to find, hopefully easier for people to follow and not just be confused with who the hell I am or why it's being shared that way. I want more people to be familiar with the show, the project. I'm starting to get some listeners, so I would love it to be easier to grow from here on out. So I'd love to be able to eventually move on to making an Instagram page, um, maybe making some like clips so I could, you know, put on parts of the show and just, you know, showcase a little bit better that way. But as you all know, if you've listened to prior episodes, not a tech whiz. I like the to do my shows. I like to make them simple. I don't like to put flashy transitions or effects in there because I don't think that's that's not the message I'm trying to portray. I want to come on here. I want to have good conversations, talk about cool shit. And I want to have, you know, create a program that's uh, different, but uh, always changing and just, you know, it's never going to be the same thing. So folks, uh, yeah, that's about it for that stuff. But um, here we are. It's episode 12. Um, it's October. It's scary. It's crazy. that I think September went pretty fast, but um, I just, it's, it's crazy. These, it's, we're this far into it. And when I say it, I'm referring to COVID-19, I guess. I mean, I can't believe that it's just dragging on the way it is. I thought that this would all be, you know, gone by now, but you know, it's not, and it's it's not going to be going anywhere. I mean, you know, you got Trump getting coronavirus, absolute shitstorm that is. Um, I've never seen polarization like this on on anything in my life. Like this is the craziest time. I'm, I was talking to my mom on the phone the other day, and she was even saying she's like, you know, my mom's in her sixties now, and she's saying never seen anything like this in all my years. She's like, I've, the, the times right now are crazy, but that also gets totally blown out of proportion with media. I mean, it's crazy how people are attaching and latching onto these stories. Like if you throw on CNN, like on Sirius radio or something like that now, all they're talking about is Trump, like what he's doing day to day. Like mainstream media right now is just obsessed with him. Like he's the most famous president of all time. He has to be. And no one's, no one has done anything like he has ever before. And unfortunately it's getting to the point that it's making us all like you almost have to be as ridiculous as Donald Trump to even get attention anymore. I mean, we got famous people for some reason telling people the need to vote. Like, I don't know if anyone saw it. Lil Dicky basically just said he's going to fucking send everyone a dick pic if you register to vote. Or Kylie Jenner made some stupid post where she had like a link to voter registration in there. And, you know, I, it did get a lot of people to sign up. And, you know, maybe that's a good thing. But if, if I just find it's so like now, now influencers and celebrities are telling us to all vote. I mean, yeah, you're supposed to vote, but I don't think it's anyone's job to tell you to vote. Certainly not a fucking celebrity or like or a comedians. Comedian going to go up and do his fucking set. He's going to tell you a bunch of jokes, probably making a bunch of stupid jokes, calling people out. 
maybe making, you know, some saying some ridiculous shit that, uh, you know, controversial things, and then he's going to go the next minute and tell you to vote. No, I don't think that that should happen. But anyways, enough of that. Um, this is an absolute boggle of mine and something that I just cannot fucking comprehend for the life of me. And that's just how much we pay for, for phones in Canada. It's an absolute joke. And if I do have any American listeners on here or people listening from abroad, it's, it's, a, it's a sin what's going on up there in Canada. There's only the three providers, really, which is Bell, Rogers, and Telus. You know, they have their little subsidiaries, Fido, Virgin, and whatever the hell is the other one, Kudo. These little, these little sub-brands of the big three. But what an absolute joke's going on there. And that's all the CR- – I, bl- I blame the CRTC's fault. And for people that don't know what the CRTC is, that's the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission, which is a public organization. Um, I think they're a crown corporation. I'm not a thousand percent sure on that, but I believe that's what I read. And they're not, they're not a government entity, but they basically they, – what they do is they – they adhere to Parliament through the Minister of Canadian Heritage, whatever that is, whatever the fuck that means. But it got erected in 1968 as a way to basically, you know, bring um, an administrative tribunal that operates, you know, at an arm's length from our government and is dedicated to ensuring that Canadians have access to world-class communication systems, which is where I fucking, that's where I have to just bite it and say that's absolute garbage. I got a new phone in August, got the new iPhone XR, not the newest one, but, you know, one of the ones that just came out, and mint phone, obviously, like, I like iPhones, they're sweet, and I had an absolute shit brick for forever, couldn't even type on it, and I, I don't know, anyone who knows me, I like to, I like to make a phone last, I had an iPhone 5SE till this, so I was looking like a bit of an absolute punk there for a bit, but I made the upgrade, got myself on a new nice phone plan, me and my girlfriend share it, we got a family plan, and um, <clears throat> did a little bit of research, tried to do my shopping around, which is not much when it's Canada. There's three options. And the problem with Canada is they basically just like, I don't know, in the States, they only have, I believe, even just one more provider for four. But there's a little bit more competition. Competition's obviously the problem in Canada. But the problem is they basically just do the same thing. Like one person plays, they'll have a high price. The other two will just match it. When one goes for promotions, the others just go and match it. So, like, there's really no difference between them, essentially. I mean, their coverage is horrific. And this is essentially why I got onto the topic. So I just get this new phone plan. I'm paying 300 bucks a month for two lines on TELUS. I'm in southern Ontario. I think TELUS is just non-existent in southern Ontario to begin with. But there's this Canadian Cellular Tower Map website. Um, you can probably just type that in on Google and you could see it. But it's like ertyu.org, and you can go to it, and it'll show you every cell phone tower in Canada. It goes all the way up to the Arctic, where there's you know they're kind of a little more sporadic up there. But down there, where like there's you know a pretty much dense civilization, which is most of Canada, you know, which is uh, more close to the borders and stuff like that. Like they're everywhere you look, and if it's not the provider that you have, they have the ability to just borrow their signal from them. So it just it just doesn't make sense to me. So I live in Sebringville right now, which is like six seven kilometers from Stratford. It's lit, and Stratford is a city of thirty five thousand plus people in surrounding areas, probably even more than that. 
And so what I'm saying is there's lots of people around. I live less than 40 minutes from London. I live an hour and a half from Toronto. And I can't get a fucking cell phone signal in Sebringville. I can't. I'm dropping calls. You go, I got, I got data. I got 20 gigs of data. doesn't matter because you can't get anything over 3G with one bar rurally for about the, like half an hour diameter around me. It's a fucking disgrace. Like, I don't understand what we're paying for. It's, it's an absolute joke. A couple of my buddies are playing over in France and they're paying the bullshit phone prices we all are and they go over there to France with their phones and all you got to do is basically just go to a vending machine and you buy a SIM card and it just falls out and you plug it into your phone you get like way more data than we have and I don't know the exact pricing but you know it's way cheaper than ours and on average not even doing the calculation for the price difference from American dollars to Canadian it's like at least 25% more expensive for Canadians just on average that we're paying compared to the States, let alone other places in the world where it's way cheaper, like over in Europe where they've actually figured it out. So I don't know what's going on. And I don't know if it's the CRTC's fault, whose fault it is. I'd love to get in the horn right now and call someone and just give them a blasting because it actually drives me nuts. I get a good half an hour drive to work every morning. I got my podcasts. I like to listen to certain guys on certain days when their pods are coming out the night before. And I can't do that because I can't even get onto the freaking phone because I got no data. It's an absolute sin. And I don't know if anyone else is going through this bullshit with phones. I think we should got to start an uprising. We have to storm the CRTC. And we have to demand change. And we're going to do it through the wave of the listeners that listen to this show. We're going to rise up. And we're going to create a wave. And we're going to create and derive change finally in this industry that has basically just been punking us for years. It's a disgrace. And I don't, is it an old, is it an oligopoly? Is that the word we're going to use? They have basically a monopoly over the entire industry. There'd be no benefit probably, even if there was a fourth name that came into the play, like that competition level, I don't think that would even change much. I mean, I don't get why it's different than the States or anywhere else to begin with. And it's a sham. And unfortunately, I don't know how all this works, all these corporate structures and stuff like that, but I'm sure Bell, Rogers, and TELUS they were horned now. They've been doing this. They've set themselves up. They're, they're, they employ thousands of people across the country. You can't just like now all of a sudden say, okay, you guys are going to make a third of your earnings just could disappear, which is what we should do 100%. But obviously because of how established they are and how the way the world works, that ain't just going to happen like that. So, I mean, it's wild. It's crazy, and it pisses me off. So I didn't really want to talk about that. But when I was, when I was looking this up, I actually have to talk about this because this is fucking hysterical. I, I didn't hear about this, and you know you don't hear about it because it's Canadian news, folks. Remember, you don't hear about Canadian news because no one talks about it. Everyone's talking about Donald Trump, Joe Biden. Everyone's paying attention to a country that they don't even live in. Like, I got people on my Facebook. I, I hate bringing this up all the time, but it's just blowing me away that people that are my age, the way they're acting on Facebook, it's like you don't have to talk about politics and social issues all the time, once again, on a political podcast. But... The people that are just, they're just bitching about Trump. I'm like, dude, you don't live in that fucking country. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, he's a game show host who's running a country. Like, yes, it's comical, but we don't need to talk about it all the time. Like, this month is an absolute joke. I can't wait for the election to be over. I mean, I don't even want to talk about anything other than that. I don't, I could give two shits. Like, yes, they have the most, two most hilarious options. Those two men should be in a home. They should be. They should be next door to my grandmother that is in a nursing home in, in New Brunswick right now. They should be down the hall getting yogurt brought to them before bed. They don't need to be running a country. We know that. But we just got to get through this 
It's going to be fine. But if you're talking about American politics and you're in Canada, shut up. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. That's for sure. But when I was looking at the cell phone tower madness back on what I was trying to talk about, um, remember the conspiracy that everyone was saying that um, 5G or something like that had a bunch of health risks and that by putting up these 5G towers, we were all going to go insane or something about COVID and 5G. It was like a cover-up so they could go out there and install it, whatever. We don't know. But there was a literal rampage of people burning down cell phone towers in the in Quebec. And this happened in May. And two people actually got arrested. And this is a hilarious little story. Quebec Provincial Police have arrested a man and a woman, both in their 20s, after a string of fires at a telecommunication towers in recent days. There have been seven cell phone towers, seven cell phone tower fires in the province, mostly north of Montreal, since May 1st. The arrest was made overnight after several firefighters were called to put out the fires at two more cell phone towers in Blainville and St. Jerome, just after midnight. Um, <laughs> the two fires which were set in Laval, in Laval one causing an estimated $200,000 in damage and the second fire caused an estimated $1 million. there have been similar acts of vandalism in England and the United States targeting particular 5G cell phone towers false narratives around the technology and the coronavirus have, shared, have been shared hundreds of thousands of times on social media another thing we're just going on to just show how dumb people are right now but And apparently the ones that they were burning down, they weren't even 5G towers. They were just going around murking cell phone towers, hoping to put them down. But you know what? If that gets the CRTC's attention, they're going to lower some cell phone prices. Maybe it's not that bad of a thing. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. But I didn't even hear about this. And this is hilarious. But some of the stories across the world, man, people were burning, like in New Zealand, people were burning like, thir- they burned like 30 of them down, I think. Like it was getting insane. All because they thought this 5G shit was going to go and melt their brains. Like, what a show. What a show, man. God. I mean, half the, I, I'm surprised half the people haven't tried to start burning down these wind turbines. I mean, forget the cell phone towers. Have you guys ever seen... Um, I don't know if this is across the board, but in Ontario, there's a hev- heavy presence. If you're anywhere near where there's like a severe, I guess we'll say, presence of uh, wind turbines, they're every like it's like every property within... I guess you'll say eyesight's range of these towers. It seems like many of them, many, many of them have these signs saying stop the wind turbines. So multiple trips driving around around the area around here, there's a lot of them in the area that I'm staying in in southwestern Ontario right now. And it's started to take notice to me. And I was starting to get a little weirded out about it. So I had to start doing a little bit of research. And it turns out that there's like an entire movement called Wind Concerns Ontario. I don't know how much, you know, I'm forgetting much going on here. But they're like, they did a study and that there's like a bunch, there's like a, I want to find the actual number. They did, a, they did a study and it was like of 60 different families or something like that, that had left their homes because of the health concerns mentally and physically that wind turbines being in their areas have caused. Oh, here it is right here. So 67 families, with including their additional family members, totaled 165 people. These are just the people involved in the study, not like every person who's ever moved. But they all live within 10 kilometers of an industrial-scale wind turbine or wind-powered generators. And more than half reported the adverse health effects after being exposed to noise emissions and vibration from operating wind turbines. Stray voltage and disturbed water wells were also cited as key factors in decisions to leave the houses. People participating in the study had to live there for at least 20 periods or whatever. Yeah, 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 that bullshit. Anyways, so I never heard of that. I never heard of um, health 
effects of living near turbines. But I mean, many of the ones I have recollection of seeing in Canada are definitely around small farms. I mean, anyone's been around um, southern Alberta, I don't think it's raiding Crow's Nest Pass, but I think it's on Highway 22X. And there was a fella that, and this is probably regular now, but he had like his own wind turbine. And it literally was 100 yards from his back door, just straight up. It just looked so out of place. He had this small little farm, or I don't know how big it was, but he just had a wind turbine. It looked like a big hard dick just sticking right up out of the sky, right up behind his house, two feet away. Could you imagine going to bed with that going on behind you? That'd be fucking awful. I'd be losing it too. I mean, I... I think, like, I'm so for, like, I mean, renewable energy, protecting our environment. But, like, I just can't imagine that wind turbines are really that great for us. Like, I don't think that the benefit is is worth the cost. Like, there's no... So I did a little further research, of course, because a lot of research goes into a show like this, folks. Like, you know, you can't... You have to be educated on these topics. And when I dive as deep in them as I do... I don't tread lightly on them. I get right in there. I find the bottom of it. I get the deep. I get the, I, I, I get the, uh, the roots of it, all right, where it derives from. But I looked it up, and this is American money. It has to be, but it depends on the size of the uh, wind turbine. But they go from one to two to three to four. They have offshore ones that are even like 12 megawatts. So that's how they measure them is like a megawatt produced. And a megawatt is 1 million watts of power. And I believe the majority of the ones that we would see, they make 1 megawatt ones, 2.5 megawatt ones, and 4 megawatt. Like when I'm, those would be the ones that we would probably see in farmers' fields or in areas that we're probably going to get eyes on them, not offshore and whatnot. But it's just so they average, I guess, $1.3 million per megawatt. So that's roughly the how it goes. So... After that, though, apparently they, they take $50,000 a year, which is an estimate, which is probably on the lower end of things, but that's how much it's going to cost to maintain the motherfucker. And then they usually run at about 35 to 65% capacity. So a lot of these times we're seeing how much power they're producing. They're only talking about the 100% capacity, meaning that this thing's just spinning 24-7, which we know is not true. And even majority of the time that it is spinning... It's not creating as much power as we think. So <clears throat> let's go for a, t- I'm not going to read them all, but a 2.5 megawatt turbine would create at 35% capacity, $153,000 of electricity. And then at 65% capacity, $284,000 in electricity. So those are like that. Uh, that's the range, I guess, of how much that it could create. But that's like, that's not a ton of money for you're going to put in the cost of that. And then you want to talk about how much it is up front. I mean, these things also need like electronic kickstarts to even get the blades going. Like it just seems like a lot of cost. It it takes up a lot of room. Apparently just destroys birds. I don't know. I'm not saying it's a terrible thing, but I just saying I've never really noticed how much people are against this until I've lived in the area where, you know, you're around these things, you know, a little more consistently you start to realize a little bit of the weird signage going on in the roads here. And, you know, and, what, and you start, I didn't know there was a Wind Concerns Ontario board, but now I do. And I'm going to keep a little bit of my eye on it because this is interesting. I mean, sustainable, I mean, everyone talks about sustainability and how we can just throw these wind turbines up and all this stuff like that. It's like throwing a bandaid on it. But these things have their own problems too. 
And I mean, it's just funny seeing how, you know, this has been affecting people in Southern Ontario to the point that they're making fucking movements. But anyways, don't even know how I got on that topic. We just started jumping from the CRTC over to wind turbines and all this stuff. But that's how it goes sometimes, folks. And that's the way, you know, that's the way it will go. Um, it's been um, it's been a good week for myself. I'm actually in an absolute battle trying to work out and work. Um, such envy for people that are, you know, high-level athletes nowadays, unfortunately, have to specialize so much in their sport. And we touched on that a little bit. Me and I had Trey Lewis on in that interview. We were talking about how I, uh, at our age, we might have been the last couple people in our mid-20s, guys still playing hockey, that have been going about it without dedicating every second of our lives for 12 months a year to the game of hockey. There's always been that time to get away for a couple months in the off season and do your own thing, you know, stay in shape, but you're not shooting pucks every day and doing all that. But I, I just feel like those days are gone. It's sad. So, I mean, I feel bad for these people that got to work and work jobs and somehow train and stuff. Like it seems like they're going to fall behind, but I'm really trying to, you know, keep up with it. You know, I work six days a week with the hot dog stand and, I'm trying to get my workouts in. I'm really good for getting my lifts in. I don't mind lifting. I stay really disciplined when I do lift. But it's getting the uh, the sprints you need to get in, the cardio. I mean, I got no problem riding my bike. I got a, a nice road bike that I love to ride that I've mentioned before. But you need to get the sprints going. You need to get on your feet. You need to get the ladder drills going, Those 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 uh, the speed cones. All that stuff that is really hard to do on your own. When you don't have a coach there with a stopwatch, blowing the whistle, setting up the paths for you, you know, when you have that plan for you, you can get just go out there and you, you basically show up and you know you're going to train with the boys in a group that you're with and you're going to do all do your thing and you don't really have to think about it, but you also get that competitive factor by seeing guys run and, you know, you might not be feeling that good one day, but when you see the guys next to you going hard and, and going fast, you know, you're going to just go right there with them and, and you know, you're going to suck it up and do it. But when you're alone that little voice in your head, you know, can convince you to, you know, maybe take a set off or maybe not go so hard today or, or maybe we don't need core because tomorrow we'll have more time after to do it so we won't be so rushed so we'll get a better workout in. And you got you to gotta, you gotta really tell that little voice in your, inside to just shut up. It's hard to do sometimes. I've been having an absolute battle trying to wake up and work out before work. So I started work at 8 o'clock. I want to get up and work out my workouts right now have been taking about two hours and I need to do three lifts a week. And so two hours sucks. And that, that's from what I mean the time I get in there and I actually start foam rolling. Um, I'm a big, I have to warm up. I mean, I used to never warm up and I have always trained hard and it just seemed like I turned 23 and all of a sudden my body didn't allow me to not properly warm up. So you got to account for that. So it's going to take you two hours to get a good lift in. I mean, Right now, I've been waking up at 6.15 to go to work at 8 o'clock. Like, what time do I got to wake up? I got to wake up at 4.30, I think, to be able to make it to 8. If you want to get a good, you know, you, you work two. So if I wake up at 4.30, accounting for the two-hour workout. So that leaves me at 6.30 right there. That means I only have an hour and a half to get to work, get ready, get a shower, and get some food. And it's a, it's a 25, 30-minute drive to work. So that's a small window. And you got to break it down with a lot of time like that. And one thing I've really started to notice since I've gotten older is um, this, I, this isn't a quote I made, but I've heard a lot of people say this is motivation is what you want to do, but discipline is doing what you don't want to do, but you know, you have to do it to do what you want to do. All right. You know what I'm saying? 
I like that, and I'm going to remember that because you know it's been it's been tough tonight. I was almost going to pull the trigger again and be like, you know what, Harrison, maybe you should do the podcast another night. You had a little bit more time to prepare. But that ain't what we fucking do here, folks. We power through, and us here on the project, we get shit done, and we do it every day. We do it all the time. Um, big exciting things happening here. I think we're going to get some people on uh, that are going to be very interesting to you. Um, we're in the conversations with some people to get uh, to get on and. And, and get get not only just uh, I, I got a lot of good hockey buddies that I'm going to continue to throw out because I got some great stories with many of them. Um, but we're going to get on hopefully some musicians um, and we're just going to start connecting with people. This show, um, I love the fact that it's uh, it's independent, as independent could be. And I really hope that um, some people realize that this is, a, I mean, hopefully a breath of fresh air for um in terms of there's not a lot, this is going to be some different content. I mean, there's no one I don't think around doing what we're going to be doing here on this show. So let's just, let's buckle up for that. All right. Um, sometimes I find, you know, I want to talk about Canada as much as possible, but I also want to open up the door and just make this a podcast to be about whatever. So this isn't a Canadian podcast by any means, but I mean, yeah, I take it for what it is that in the sense that I'm a Canadian and there's going to be a lot of Canadian topics, but we don't have to always keep it um, within the walls of the country. I definitely will try to at some points, but I want to, you know, we've got to expand. We've got to bring out the uh, the other viewers as well. Um, yeah, so this show has been something that, again, it's been really fun to me. There's lots that I've been really wanting to try, and, and, and a podcast was something that I always wanted to do. And <clears throat> I was really going to go to school and try and get into radio, but I'm really glad that I didn't actually now, looking back at it. I went back, I did my BBA, um, learned a little bit more about the world, and now I realize that still at 26, uh, I know absolutely nothing. It's all I did. I went to university and found out that I know fuck all. Um, and yeah, basically, you know, you grow up and you realize this. No one really cares about you. No one gives a shit. Your own parents barely care about you. And I'm not saying that I love you, mom and dad. I'm just joking. But like, you got to realize that growing up, one of the biggest things you can really ever do for yourself is just realize that nobody gives a shit about you, how you're feeling, how you're doing, and what you want to do or say or do with your life. No one cares. And when you actually, like, when you don't take offense to that and you realize that for what it is, it's actually a very freeing feeling. And it just kind of makes you realize that, oh, my God, it is true. Nobody gives a flying shit or fuck about me. And that's fine. That's totally fine. So go out there and do the crazy shit you want to do. You don't have to be good at everything you try. A lot of people are scared from doing things they're not good at. It's absolutely sinful. Got to get out there, folks. Sink or swim. Sink or swim. Um, we like to talk a lot of music on this show, and we're going to continue to do so. And I wanted to shed light on one of my favorite artists at the moment. And this is someone that uh, I believe many of you will have already heard of. But he's a good, old Canadian prairie boy. And that is my good friend, Coulter Wall. Folks, if you're not listening to Coulter Wall's music, you are actually doing a disservice to yourself. If this young man, I believe, was born 50 years ago in the Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson era, we would know exactly who Coulter Wall's name is. You put this guy, you listen to some of his songs, he literally puts you in like a time machine. He feels like you're listening to old country back on the plains, back in the days in black and white. But Coulter Wall, he was born June 27th, 1995. He's only 25 years old. He's from Swift Current, Saskatchewan. And his self-titled debut album was released May 12th, 2017. Now, folks, this guy is a little hardcore for the, he's he's not hardcore, but he is like p- 
purely country. He's real country. He plays that real country sound, but he's got that voice. It's so low. Is it baritone? Is that the, is that the term? And I've never heard anything like it. It's such a unique voice. Like, even when he speaks, you hear him doing an interview, you can tell that he just, like, has that demeanor. He has that voice, that gruff, that grit into it. Like, it literally sounds like when you hear this guy sing, you're like, this guy's been drinking whiskey and smoking darts for 45 years straight. And I mean that in the best way possible. Coulter was born in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. He was the middle child of Tammy and Brad Wall. His father was the 14th premier of Saskatchewan. Now, is he still the premier? I am not 100% sure, but he was the premier of Saskatchewan. Kind of wild that this guy's going on becoming a badass outlaw country musician. Um, he has two sisters, Megan and Faith. Wall attended the Swift Current Comprehensive High School and graduated in 2013. He then studied at the University of Saskatchewan, and Wall was familiar with country music growing up. Apparently, his parents loved the old country, loved Johnny Cash and all that shit. And he started picking up the guitar, and he was 13. And he played for a couple of years, and he was strictly just playing. He was playing rock and roll. He loved ACDC, loved Sabbath, loved Led Zeppelin. But then he became interested in some of his parents' music, you know, got into the blues. Then he started listening to that folk music. And according to Wall, we're going to call him Wallsy. That's what I'd call him, Wallzo. Uh, he first heard Bob Dylan's song, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, oh, which is such a good song. Don't think twice, it's all right. Um, he apparently was 15 when he heard it, and that inspired him. That song inspired him to start writing and singing instead of just playing the guitar. So, I mean, he credits other influences like Woody Guthrie, Jack Elliott, Graham Parsons, George Jones, Waylon Jellings, Willie Nelsons, Hank Williams, all the, all the, all the, all the best. But he's gone on there, and this guy's going to... He's going to be right up there when this guy's done. He's only 25, too, and he's just he's literally just getting started. So when he was 20, he was only 20 years old, he recorded a seven-song EP, Imaginary Appalachia, in 2015, and that was at Studio One in Regina, Saskatchewan, which I always wonder. I find it so cool that there's music studios like that that are producing music like this in Canada. No one's given him credit for this. And also the sin of Coulter Wall is you don't get him on the radio. He's, he's too country for the country radios, Stations, but he has a big enough following that he's way more way more talented than anyone you're going to get on these modern pop country bullshit radio stations that are just the only things available for this type of music. Unfortunately, people hate country music because they listen to the shittiest kind on on the on the radio. It's actually a sin. But <clears throat> he describes his music as a blend of blues, folk, and Americana. And the EP, like I said, was released in March 2015. And that was that one, you know, The Devil Wears a Suit and a Tie. That's one of his biggest songs today. Like, guys like Joe Rogan talk about him all the time. They love his music. They love that song. And, um, I mean, I think in the WWE, a couple guys had their intro tunes for some of his songs. And I think Dog the Bounty Hunter even had his tunes going at one point. But his, his first full-length album, which was self-titled Coulter Wall, unbelievable album cover the guy's just absolutely drilling a cigarette into him which i have so much respect for honestly and you know you shouldn't smoke it's terrible for you you're gonna die from doing it but if you're smoking a dart an honest dart in 2020 and not ripping the vape i have so much respect for you I almost just want to walk up to your hand and just be like fuck i i i almost envy you i almost want to have a pack with you right now um but enough of that um his first full-length album called Coulter Wall, with the cool cigarette picture that got me going there, was produced by Dave Cobb. And Dave Cobb, for those of you who don't know, I'm not a big music affinition in Indio, but he's a six-time Grammy Award-winning American record producer. I mean, this guy works with the dogs. He works with all, like, 
so many like amazing artists. A lot. He's the probably the biggest country producer at the moment. And that was at the RCA studio in Nashville. And uh, this Cobb guy played the acoustic guitar on that album with Wall. They had a couple other really good musicians in there. But other than that, he had a new album that just came out in June called Western Swing and Waltzes. And it's good too. He's got, he's got a couple of really good songs on there. He, made, he remade a couple other uh, famous past country songs and he did that. Um, but I, if you've seen, you got to look him up on YouTube, man. He's, he got, when he really got those first couple songs going, he was just playing that one man band style where he had like the kick drum and then he'd have um, like the tambourine on the other foot and he'd just like play his own music. He'd basically be his own little one man band and he's so good. Voice on him like an absolute saint. I mean, I have not seen him in concert, and I will definitely make a point to do so. It seems like he travels a lot around the States, and he plays in these places that love the actual music that he plays, which is not a lot of places in Canada. If you're not playing that kind of tune in, like, uh, Saskatchewan, uh, Alberta area, maybe Manitoba, you know, other than some places in Ontario and the occasional place after that, I mean, I don't think his music is going to get enough love for him to just start touring around the country, so... I mean, check him out. This guy's so legit. He's so good. And, I mean, he's only 25. So what a treat that we're just catching him while he's just going to emerge. hes I can't believe how good he is. You literally listen to this guy, and apparently a lot of his songs are autobiographical, which apparently means um, based off experiences in his own life. So, I mean, has this guy, like, lived 100 years and is 25 years already? Because some of his songs are so, so deadly. So check him out. I mean, I so badly wish I was a musician. I mean, what a life. Like, I started doing guitar lessons at 13, and I was pretty good back then, but I never practiced enough. And that's the thing. You know, you got to practice a ton to be good at those things. And um, I've always, but I still like to think that I'm going to just pick it up and, and get better. Like, I know I sometimes will randomly throw some guitar on these episodes, and I, and I by no means think I'm good. I just kind of do it because it's hilarious. And... I'd love to be though. I mean, I had this, I have had dreams of becoming somewhat of a showman in my in my days, and I still like to think one day maybe I will. I mean, uh, the bar I worked at last uh, three summers up in North Bay, the boat. Shout out to the boat, North Bay. I have some amazing stories from this place that I will slowly start telling over this the course of this program. But um, I, I that boss up there was a guy named Steve Batani. Should I even say his name? Too late. Um, He'll come on the show probably at one point, and we'll talk about a re- we'll have a restaurant bar episode. He's a hilarious guy. He's worked in some great places, great establishments. He's a great chef. But uh, enough about that. He was one of those kind of guys that if, if you pitched ideas to him about like theme nights and and stuff like that, you know, you, you could get him to if you showed him the benefit to something, or if he thought it was actually going to work, he'd actually do it. And um, so I, after trying so many times to get stupid theme nights that wouldn't work. Um, I decided that on a Monday night I was going to pitch doing open mics because I wanted the opportunity to hopefully host them and then maybe get my it'd be an excuse for myself to have a platform to start playing a little bit more live music myself. Maybe I get up there and tickle the strings a little bit. But um, it kind of ended up surprising me because he went for it. He went for it right away. So we went for a Monday night open mic theme. And uh, the place I worked at, Friday, Saturdays were, it was like a bar. So it turned into a bar to be open until two. So those are, you know, Friday, Saturday, those nights were already booked up. But they had nothing going on on Monday. They tried wing night and a couple other bullshit things the past years. It didn't, it didn't work. It didn't catch. So I came in hot with the pitch of an open mic night. Not only was it open mic night, it was going to be open mic mojito Monday. Because who doesn't love a mojito? 
I used to go to OJ's in, in uh, Calgary. They used to have Mojito Monday, and I used to go down there when I was like, just legal, just fresh 18. I just crushed my mojitos. Nothing better than a good mojito. So I pitched mojitos, but you know, unbeknownst to me, I totally forgot, me being a bartender, that mojitos are the worst drink to ever make in the planet ever. So thankfully, not that many people order them as much as I thought, but the boat has this hilarious setup where it's literally a boat concreted into the water of a dock. And they had this outside bar that looked right at the stage and the stage looked over like the side patio of this, of the, of the restaurant. And I mean, we had, you had a really good seating plan essentially. So a lot of people could get a good eye in the stage, but, um, I had to run the bar with the mojitos while I was trying to host it. So it got a little complicated because first of all, mojitos suck to make. And then I, for some reason, I also pitched that we're going to do a bunch of different flavored ones like blueberry, strawberry, classic and raspberry i believe so you get like a order of like six of them and two of them would be raspberry one would be blueberry another would be classic and for some reason i'd have like one shaker i'd have like i'd be trying to what's the fucking term when you use that thing what do you what do you do with a mojito again what's the th- i shouldn't i can't even think about it right now you know you, you beat the the mallet uh a muddler, muddler, sorry, you muddle. So I'd have like one little shaker cup to roll it into and then I'd be like trying to rinse it out because there'd be a bunch of fruit in it from different flavors and you, uh, it was a disaster anyways. Apart from the drinks, it was a really good time. So to get this thing going, I put an ad up on Kijiji. I mean, like I, don't, I don't know any musicians in North Bay. I mean, I knew like a couple guys that could play Wonderwall around the guitar, but like that wasn't going to fire up the people on a Monday night. And it was a Monday night, and Monday nights we were looking for a theme because they were historically very, very slow. So in my head, I'm like, this is tough. This is going to be tough. So I started make. I made a Facebook group for it. It was called Open Mic at the Boat. Um, I started trying to add a bunch of people to it. I made a Kijiji ad, on, um, and that's where I started actually getting people. I didn't know anyone. But surprisingly, I made a Kijiji ad saying Open Mic Musicians Wanted, and I started getting a ton of people on that. So that was where I kind of started getting things going and like I remember the first one I was so nervous I was actually so nervous because people actually showed up and I got somehow I got about six or seven acts and I'm trying to go up there I never like I'm like googling stuff like the day of like trying to organize this so I got my set list people are supposed to go up there from certain times and we started doing it on Mondays I mean whether whether cooperating but it was such a good time like there were some people that were such dicks, though. Like, some musicians are such assholes, and I'll, and I'll call them musicians lightly because if you're playing in an open mic for free, like, the term musician is probably pretty used loosely with you. But some of these people were such assholes. Like, I remember it was my, literally my first night ever. Maybe my first or second. But, like, I had a soundboard out there, right, a mixer, so I could plug people's instruments in or the board or the speaker so it's all separate which I have no fucking clue how to use. I got thrown in the absolute weeds. Uh, basically told people that I knew more about this stuff than I did so I could get this started. So the first night rolls around, and I'm trying to run a soundboard, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I'm playing with the knobs. Like, I'm turning up the gain. I'm turning it down. Like, I literally, like, it sounds like shit. I know it does. And a couple people have played. They didn't say anything. They don't really care. And then it was late. It was dark now. And it was I think it was the last girl that I was about to play. And... She goes up and she's not like she seemed nice or whatever, but she, so we plug her in 
and she starts playing and I'm up there trying to do something at the bar because, you know, I basically I'd, I'd introduce these people. I'd be like, and here comes Maggie May from the tumultuous shores of Sturgeon Falls, Ontario, about here to whisper the wind away or something stupid. And then I'd introduce them and they'd come play and then I'd take off to the bar and try to make a couple of drinks quick. So anyways, I'm up there trying to do my, my job basically. And then all of a sudden I can hear this girl just like cut. She just like cuts. She just like stops playing. And I'm like, what? Like, did the speaker go off? Like, she's she's like not playing. So I look over. I'm like, got my hand full of mojitos, muddling, and I can see her like staring up at me. And I got the bar. She got her hands in the air. Like, what's what the fuck's going on? So I'm like, shit. Like, what's going on? So I run down there, and I'm like, yeah, what's going on? She's like, oh, you got the gain way too high on here. Um, the trebles, you know, the trebles a little thick too. Like you got, it's, it's just, you got, it sounds so bad. I can't even play. Like I, I won't play if people think that that's how I sound. And in my head, I was kind of laughing. I was like, there's like 15 people here, lady, like shut up. But anyway, so I'm nervous. I'm, I don't know what to do. I don't, I'm like, okay, yeah, let me fix it. Yeah, let me fix the game for you. So I start twiddling knobs. Like I must look like an idiot. Like there's like 40 of them. I'm probably, I'm probably twisting knobs that like my, the, uh, her instrument would have even been plugged into. So anyways, luckily, this guy who just played before, who's an absolute beauty, knows that I'm struggling. So he comes up and he helps me and he starts, and he starts, he starts doing it. He starts knowing, she's like, we start figuring it out. She's twiddling with it. And then we start telling her that like, oh, I don't know if it's working right. Like we, we, we got, uh, we got a little bit of extra feedback. Like I'm not sure, is it, is it your guitar? Like what's going on? And she just pipes up. She goes, I've played hundreds of gigs and I've never had this problem once. And I literally looked at her. I remember I laughed. I had like the, you know, when you like smile and you're like absolutely disbelief. I was smiling at her and I looked at the guy beside me and I just, I was like, ha, whoa, okay. And then we just looked back at her and then thankfully got her going and sent her on her way. And it was pretty, and I wanted to just absolutely berate her. But anyway, she was actually pretty good, but I just laughed. Like she was giving me the gears, like, like she was giving me the gears in the soundboard. Like I, the guy had no idea what you're playing on an open mic night for free. Like, you're lucky to have somewhere to play. You can go home and play in your garage if you want to. But thankfully, I, I, I was trying to do a good thing. I was trying to give the local artists a, a platform. And I was the bad guy. So it was tough. It was tough. I used to, I used to play a little bit myself, though. That was the whole reason. It was, it was a kind of an undercover reason for me to get up there and start playing. But I'd usually wait till like, people would be done. And I'd wait till a couple of the good acts would play. And I'd just play a couple songs before I cleaned up. And I mean, one time I was playing and that same girl who was kind of being a dick to me about the gain or whatever, she showed up and she was like, oh, because like, I open mic, you're, I usually leave a couple slots open because you're supposed to be able to show up randomly and have some people in the crowd be able to just get up and play. And so one night I was playing and she came up and she, and she, and she was like, oh, I'm here to play. And I was, I was currently plugged in. I just plugged in my guitar and I was going to play like three or four songs, the only three or four I could play without you know, having a computer in front of me at the time. And I basically was like, I was like, actually, no, I'm going to play. Sorry, I'm up. And it's my stage at the moment. And I will, I will sing. And I did. And she sat back there and had a beer. And she probably was in her head being like, this is the biggest joke I've ever seen. This guy sucks. This guy sucks. And he won't even let me up on his own stage. It was hilarious. The first night we did an open mic, then I don't, I can't believe I didn't tell this story. I got an, I got a stand-up comedian and I think we had like I think we had five or six musicians but we had one stand-up comedian and he came on before this girl and he, he I'd seen him briefly at a bar before and it was late so like he was saying wild shit but I thought like 
that that was just doing it because he was at a bar anyway. So I asked him to come to the boat. I see him at the boat one night. I'm very good with faces. And I just went straight up to him and I asked him and his girlfriend they're having dinner. And I said, excuse me, not trying to be rude here, but I know you're a comedian. I'm doing open mic nights. I need some people up there to do so. I need to fill some slots. It'd be huge if you could come up and do this. Would you, would you want to do that? And this man basically said yes. This guy said yes to being an open mic stand-up comedian at a restaurant that serves fish and chip shoreside at a lake. Anyways, he came out. He started relatively, like, he started slow. He wasn't too crazy. And next thing you know, I literally have my back to him. I'm doing a little bit of cleaning. And I, all of a sudden I hear, I, I, he starts talking about if ghosts could watch you jerk off, what would the reaction to them be? And, and, and do they do that often? And then I was kind of like, okay, this is going offside. Like, I don't know what's happening out there. Like, hopefully there's not children listening, but like, he hasn't said anything too crazy yet. And then next thing you know, he was talking about what happens if you found your stepsister's porn history. And I started, I had to enter, all of a sudden I get a text from my boss. He's like, Harry, what the fuck's going on? I'm about to toss this kid. Someone got up from their, their dinner and stormed out and on their way by this guy turned and said, fuck you to the guy on the stage, to the comedian said, fuck you on his way out. And I was like, this is my first open mic. I was like, this is fucking never going to happen again. This made my last night, only night ever. But, uh, no, thankfully, um, didn't unfortunately get that guy back up. I'd love to get him on the show. Wouldn't that be fun? Talk about that because that was hilarious. He he ruined someone's dinner. Maybe it was my fault for calling him up. You know, I kind of sewered him. Could you imagine? Balls on the guy, though. He stood up at a restaurant and just started doing stand-up in a place. Imagine doing stand-up in a place that no one wanted it. Like, stand-up be hard enough to do it in a place where everyone's eager to hear you. But imagine, like, you're trying to have your fish and chip, and then unwanted to you, there's a guy telling jokes in the back of your dinner that you didn't want to hear. Yeah, that was supplied by me. Pretty good idea, I think. God. But no, it was it was so fun. We used to have this guy who'd come on all the time. His name was Chris Faga, and he was a really good singer, and he'd play, that, he'd play all the good songs. You know, that's what's key about being a musician like that. You're going to play sing-alongs, like, play songs that people know. You know, everyone's got good taste in music, but you got to play the songs that people want to hear. So this guy's going on, and I think there was a party once. It was one of the open nights here. They were really nice, and... There was a group of people that were uh, celebrating a loss of a friend, of a close friend or relative. I remember, I believe the reason they were all together is they were celebrating some sort of, uh, you know, not a funeral, but something for the passing of life. And they were a great group. They were having a great time. They were playing. They were requesting songs. They were playing Sweet Caroline, and people were joining in on the mics. Like, it was really fun. And Vega wraps up. He's done. And these people are still chilling out, chilling around. And I'm looking to play my couple songs. I was hoping that they were going to leave. It was a bit too big of a crowd for me to want to play. But so I grab it and, you know, I introduce myself. I'm like, hi, everyone. I'm Harrison Harper. I'm your open mic host for the evening. I'm looking to take it away for the night. Big thank you to Chris Vega, the man. Everyone give a round of applause for Vega. Yeah, what a fucking beauty. And um, then I'm like, but folks, I'm going to play here. I apologize in advance. I'm no Chris Vega. I'm going to give it my best. Which you shouldn't fucking do ever. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't decredit yourself before you even go out there. That's a bitch move to just like act like you don't. You, then you can't suck because you're like, oh, buddy, I don't suck. You know, you tell me I suck. I already told you I suck. So who cares if I suck? You know I suck. But anyway, so I did that, which is a pussy move. And anyways, you shouldn't say pussy apparently either in 2020. Don't say it. Uh, anyways, um, so I play like a couple songs and. 
after the first song I played, some jerk off from this crowd just barks out and he goes, Yep, you certainly aren't Chris Vega, that's for damn sure. And I was just like, oh, that hurt. And I don't know why it hurt, because it shouldn't have. Because I, I really wanted to, be, I really wanted to yell out and be like, Yeah, buddy, I might not be Chris Vega, but I'll come over there and I'll kick your fucking ass. But I didn't. I didn't. Um, folks, I've had fun here. I've had a really good time. I could just keep going on about open mic stories, but I won't. I'll roll them out gradually. I have a couple good stories about that establishment, though. Um, I think next episode, it's going to be a must to get a guest on. I think that's a need for the people. Um, I love this show, folks. I love this program. And I'm in, the, I'm in the works here with working out some sort of a sponsorship opportunity with a good local, not local, good Canadian company based out of Tirana. Tirana! And um, I think we're going to make that happen. And um, I know I said this show is still independent as F. I think you should enjoy uh, taking some content from something that's not, um, this is not owned by anyone. This is not driven any messages that uh, are being portrayed above them. This is just uh, me coming out here, um, having a chat with you all. We're going to talk about some relevant shit and uh, we're going to keep having a good time, folks. This is the project. Thank you so much. I really want to talk to you all soon. Let's have a good one. Bye for now.